Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Reach for Hope. I'm Melissa Anderson. You know, the problems associated with suicide are much bigger than we may realize, especially when it comes to those who might be going off to college. And with us today is the Dixie State University Booth Wellness Center Director, Garen Gelbranson, to talk about mental health and prevention efforts right here on campus. Welcome, Garen. Thanks for, for being on the show today. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, first of all, tell us... Um, about the DSU Booth Wellness Center, uh, what you provide to students and uh, even faculty and staff. Yeah, so the Booth Wellness Center is an integrated care clinic. So we offer both medical and mental health services. Um, Among the mental health services, we offer individual group counseling workshops. We do a lot of like public, um, like health related things, education, training. So I think what we do is essentially provide a very important and vital service for our students. Um, As you and your listeners will know, it's very challenging at times. I think for our college-age students, we talk about the adjustment coming to school, all the other things that go with that. But then many of our students may have um, pre-existing mental health concerns or may experience their first issues with mental health concerns. So we're very excited to be on campus to provide those kinds of supports and services for our students when they are in need. Yeah, it's nice to have that here and you can just walk walk over and and uh, do people need an appointment to come in or do they just show up on your doorstep? We get both. So we, we do encourage people when possible to call ahead and make an appointment that allows us to plan and make sure we're getting people on schedule. Although I would note if there's a crisis like someone needs to be seen, um, we're available as well as the Intermountain, Intermountain Health Access Center and others. Okay. Now, each year uh, during Suicide Awareness Month, DSU brings uh, awareness problems about suicide through various events. And this last year was really eye-opening. I mean, just a few weeks back, we saw in the center of the diagonal over here, pinwheels and backpacks here on campus that were really visually impacting. I mean, I was taken aback when I saw these. Tell us a little bit about what these pinwheels, uh, as we're seeing here on the screen, um, were representing and what the backpacks represented? Yes, so the pinwheels and backpacks you see are um, the results from a 2019 ACHA survey, which is the American Collegiate Health Association. So every two years, we at Dixie State um, survey our students and gather data and information related to health, mental health, substance use. And what you see represented are 1,370 pinwheels which are representative of 1,370 students who had contemplated suicide within that past year. And then you also note 310 backpacks, which um, represent the students who had attempted suicide in that same year. Wow, that's uh, those are astonishing numbers. Are those up or down from previous years, or do you know? So we have seen in the last um, 10 to 15 years, not only in the state of Utah, but throughout the country, in a steady increase in rise in suicide rates. Um, across all ages, demographics, and other information, uh, other data points, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a good statistic. We're we're not doing particularly well in the state of Utah. Um, we're making efforts and we're doing things that we can, but 
Um, a part of the reason why we do that event is we really want to encourage people to learn more and understand like this is a problem that affects all of us. Yeah. And it's great to have that awareness out there because it does show that that the numbers, I mean, when you f physically and visually see them, it's, it's, it's a big it's a big shock. Uh, you also had a tree out there, a tree of hope. Tell us about that and, and what that represented and what happened with that. Yeah, so we implemented that last year and did it again this year. We really love um, that activity. It allows students or participants to share messages of hope, encouragement or support for themselves or for others, and then to place those on the tree. So it serves as a reminder for those passing by as to, again, the impact of suicide and mental health on people. And we're hoping that also encourages people to be more open and aware about how that affects them and to understand there is hope and there are people who notice and see and they want to be supported. And, and, and it brings about awareness, but not necessarily brings people to your clinic to, to actually open up, but it might, like you would think, plant that seed, correct? Yeah. And sometimes we do have people who immediately are like, oh, I think I've been maybe postponing treatment or I need to reach out, but it does plant a seed and we do want people to be more aware of the services and things that are available to them. It's, it's really hard for people, um, to, to do that reaching out and, and we're trying to break that stigma to allow people to know that it's okay. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to have a few bad days, but you're, if you're having a lot of bad days, that's probably when they need to come in. Um, can you tell us why we might be seeing um, an increase uh, of these suicide attempts and, and suicides? Um, is it as a result of COVID and feeling this loneliness that we've kind of all felt being segregated or separated from each other six feet and and I mean it's been a tough year. I agree I think it has been a very tough year on a lot of people uh, across the board. It's a little premature to really say statistically how significant that change has been. Again we haven't pulled students or done any of that survey data. Um, we hope to in the future and get a clearer picture of what's happened. Um, anecdotally though we've noticed increase in use of our services over the Health and Wellness Center um, for mental health concerns, occasionally like suicidal ideation. Um, and we've seen an increasing demand for those services and risk. Um, so yeah, it is a growing concern and we need to make sure we're all like paying attention to that and helping do what we can within our respective areas to support one another. Are these services then free of charge to students or they go towards healthcare? You, you take healthcare? No, absolutely. All services at the Booth Wellness Center are free to students. So they can come in and see a counselor and it's not going to cost them anything. What we try to do is remove as many barriers as possible to, and again, reduce stigma, but we also want people to seek out help when they need it and not have money as a barrier. And we're going to talk a little bit more about um, other services that you offer in that realm. But I, I want to talk about why are young adults possibly more at risk for these thoughts of, of potential actions of wanting to take their own lives, especially here in Utah. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful question. I would note that, you know, all ages have this as an issue. Um, you know, we know that suicide is the second leading cause of death among young adults, 15 through 24, but it's also the second leading cause of death for adolescents, 10 through 12, 10 through 15, and all up through the lifespan. So when we look specifically at young adults, um, there's a number of factors. We can't really pinpoint and say that one thing is the causation of all of that, but um, we know there are mental health concerns. Most of the time, mental health concerns begin to manifest themselves between the ages of 15 and 24. About 70% of people, that's when they may have their first, first experience or exposure to that. Mm. And that happens to coincide when they're coming away to college. 
Um, it's also a time of great transition, right? So people are coming mm-hmm. away to school for the first time, maybe away from their supports, their family. Um, college is fun and exciting, and I think people really enjoy it. And it's stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you're talking about adjustment, um, those kind of issues, that's a concern. Um, so there's, again, a multitude of factors we look at and things we try to help. But the reality is, is our young adults, they, they can struggle with that, and we need to be aware of that and we make sure we have the services and things available to assist them um, through that process. Right. Right. And, and we, um, as, as other human beings need to be able to reach out to ask those questions. Are you thinking about taking your own life? Um, are you contemplating suicide? And that's a tough thing to do, but we do, you do offer the QPR training that we've talked about on this show before, uh, question, persuade and refer. Tell us a little bit about how that's important here, especially on campus. Yes, I would say QPR is essential. Um, I think a good analogy or metaphor I would have listeners um, kind of entertain is the idea of most people, when you hear of like first aid, the first thing pops into mind is CPR, right? And most of us have a really fundamental understanding. What do you do if you see someone who's collapsed in his medical emergency, but we don't do a particularly good job of knowing how do we respond when someone's experiencing an acute mental health crisis? or you know, one of those kind of situations. So what QPR does, and there's other trainings as well, but what QPR does is it essentially cha- um, trains folks to understand, recognize um, when a mental health um, crisis is occurring, giving them some skills and things they know then how to intervene so they don't feel powerless or they don't feel like um, they know what to do, mm-hmm. and then walk them through the steps. Um, and really, it's it's not too terribly challenging with training. We're talking about 90 minutes. And I think it's very important because these kind of trainings can save people's lives. Um, and they do that because, you know, we encounter people with mental health concerns all day throughout our day, each one of us. Mm-hmm. You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who's not been personally affected by mental health, whether that's their personal experience, a family member, a friend, a peer. And in turn, there's... Many people among us who have been affected by suicide, either being uh, loss survivors or things like that. So each of us, I think, has a responsibility to know what do you do in a crisis? What do you do in an emergency situation? And I think when people are empowered and they feel they know how to intervene and what to do, that's when we save lives. Yeah. Each and every one of us. Yeah. You recently held a, a, one of these training sessions right here on campus um, during the Prevention Awareness Week with Raging Red actually performing. I believe it was started through the, the Southwest Utah Behavioral Health Center first started pushing out this QPR training. But Jamie Dahl's been very uh, effective in helping get that going here on campus. Explain how important this training is, you know, t- for people to actually come and sign up for it and and to hear firsthand um, uh, the importance of, of this. Oh, it's essential. And uh, we love Jamie. She does a fantastic job for us. And we love our partnership over with the Southwest um, Behavioral Health and Public Health Offices. They have been terrific. But in a sense, why it's important is, again, what I was mentioning earlier is each and every one of us has a responsibility. Um, mental health, health, all these kind of things, it falls on all of us to be aware and knowledgeable of what to do. Um, and everything we do, it's suicide prevention. Calling a friend in need, that's suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Reaching out to someone where you're concerned about, that's suicide prevention. 
you know, asking those hard questions of people we care about. Yeah. Is suicide prevention. So everything we do is, is important. So why not learn the skills to do it more effectively? Right. Right. And plus you get a little bit more training and have a little bit of fun while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> playing role playing. Um, I want to go back to what we talked about earlier, uh, the, the Booth Wellness Center, what you offer there when it comes to mental health support. Um, is this one on one group counseling? What do you do? Great question. So we offer a variety of services, and we find that a variety of services is actually really helpful to our students. Um, people present for a variety of concerns. Um, I think sometimes there's this uh, misunderstanding that the best kind of treatment is individual counseling, and that's just not always the case. Sometimes, yes, it's helpful to be able to meet with someone one-on-one, -on -one, but sometimes the presenting issues people pre are showing up with are really well served in our group programs. So an example is we have a couple of workshops we do, three weeks, on anxiety, a three-week depression workshop, and we have an eight-week like skills base that's focused on like uh, regulating your emotion, tolerating distress, very important essential skills that young adults, college-aged adults can benefit from. And the thing I like about groups and workshops is um, it's really skills-based and oriented. So many times our students come in, I'm like, I'm struggling with classes, I'm having these is issues or difficulties. Um, there's a group for that. There's things we can teach you so you know you can better regulate those things and have more skills to be able to manage them. And then we have counseling, but we have a variety of things that we do. Yeah. It's kind of how to manage day-to-day -day activities without stressing out, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So are these um, confidential? I'm sure the one-on-ones are, but with a group session, it's a little bit more, you know, open. Yeah. That's a concern we hear from time to time. But when we are meeting with people, we go over the limits of confidentiality. We are talking to group members and walking them through um, how to, you know, maintain each other's confidentiality, how to be respectful. And yes, services are completely confidential. Um, you know, for your listeners to understand, like, uh, our services, because we are mental health and medical providers, they're completely covered under HIPAA, meaning we are not disclosing or sharing any private health information, um, to family or friends or staff or anybody. Um, are prohibited from doing that. So I think sometimes when people learn that, they feel a little more confident and a little more secure in knowing that, okay, I can go talk to Garen or I can go talk to, to Jamie or Jenny or anybody over the Booth Wellness Center and I know what I say there is gonna stay there. Yeah, and I know that um, Jamie Dahl has been very instrumental in getting the Hope Squads on campus, just like they do in the schools. And you'll go into a bathroom in, in, in the mirror here and you'll see little things on the mirror saying, you know, have a better day or if you're thinking this way, call this number. How is how does it help to have peers that are involved in 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 this effort as well to say, hey, how you doing today? It could be as something as simple as just asking a question of how they're feeling or how they're doing. Well, I think it's essential for two reasons. One is it helps destigmatize things. When you see someone who looks like you in the same background who um, may also share like, yeah, I've struggled with that or that's a concern. It's it's um, humanizing. You feel seen, you feel like other people are aware and you're more apt to reach out for help. Two is students are everywhere. Faculty and staff are everywhere. Um, myself and my staff, we can't be everywhere at once. And that's right. why we need to train people and get people to recognize these kind of things and intervene um, where appropriate. Yeah, so maybe even someone who's teaching a class might notice a student who's appears a little down or isn't really paying attention. There might be something wrong there. 
Absolutely. I had a faculty call me just this morning with that very same question, and they were wonderful. They had the student talk to me over the phone. We scheduled an appointment. We got them in for help. And, you know, that faculty member, I think we had done some training with and was very aware of what the resources were. So we were able to assist someone in the moment. Yeah. It's great that you can just do that just like that. It's awesome that you're there for, for everyone. The Reach for Home Coalition has, has put out a few ads to talk about not being alone and not feeling alone. Let's take a look at one of those now. Middle-aged men are the most at-risk demographic for suicide. It could be your dad. Firearms are the most commonly used method for suicide. It could be your neighbor. Reach out to people around you who may be struggling. It could be a coworker. Suicide is the most preventable cause of death. It could be your child. First responders have tough jobs, putting them at risk for suicide. It could be your daughter. Suicide does not discriminate. It crosses all socioeconomic boundaries. In fact, anyone can suffer from thoughts of suicide. It could be your friend. Members of the LGBTQ community are at higher risk for suicide. It could be anyone you know. Sometimes it is difficult to ask for help. But remember, you are not alone. If you or someone you know is suffering with thoughts of suicide, please text BRAVE to 741741 or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. So what do you say to someone who may be feeling like they're all alone on this island of, you know, for lack of better words, thoughtlessness or not feeling themselves and just can't get out of their head? Maybe they're supposed to not be in their head, but they're in their head. Or maybe they're supposed to be in their head and they're not in their head. How do they, how do you approach someone who might be thinking, ah, you know, it's just me? Well, I think that's kind of what mental health does for us, right? Where mental illness, it tells us it's just us and it's not. You know, statistically, one in five Americans right now is struggling with mental illness. Wow, that's, those are big numbers. Yeah. So this isn't a unique problem to people. And at the same time, when you're approaching somebody to talk about that, it's important you do so um, with as much kindness and empathy and curiosity as, as you possibly can. You want to ask questions. You want to demonstrate that I'm here to listen. And if I can help in any way, I will. And if I can't, I know where to go. Let's get you over to the Booth Wellness Center. Let's get you over to the hospital. Let's get you to where you need to go to train professionals who can sit down with the person and let them know they're not alone. There is treatment. People do get better. They get better all the time. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is how how to know when that point is to seek that professional help. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the the big like red flag warnings and things you look for are obviously like um, suicide intent. If people are making statements or behaving um, outside of the norm. We definitely want to intervene then. But my, my fallback is always if you have questions, you're concerned, don't hesitate and ask. Because it's simple as asking, are you feeling suicidal today? Are you having thoughts of death? Are you, you struggling with your mental health? And in my experience, I think most people, when you ask them that directly in front of them, they, they will tell you exactly what's going on. So is it a good idea to relate some experiences that you may have had on your own where you've struggled and then maybe you can relate to them to let them know that they aren't alone? I mean, how do you reach out to others to let them know that they're not alone? I mean, I think you can definitely empathize people to share some of your concerns. But again, at the end of the day, it's about them and what they need in that moment. And you, again, just going back to QPR, right? But you're questioning, you're asking, and then you're letting them know there is help. And in fact, I know where we can go. Do you want to go with me? And then help them get to where they need to go. 
So it's an invitation. I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. What can we do to break down this stigma that we were talking about earlier of suicide and reassure that someone, that it's okay to reach out? I mean, that stigma has been here for years, and I don't even know. It's like a big wall. It's like, oh, we don't want anyone to know that we might be struggling, and I might see one of my friends there if I show up or or I'm going to get teased or made fun of. That's that's just ludicrous when we've talked about when you break a leg, you go to the hospital for a broken leg. But but when you're having problems with mental health, you, you don't want to go because it kind of comes out as a as a weakness. Mm-hmm. So that stigma still is there. I I feel as if it's crumbling. It's getting a little better, you know, as time goes on and people are more open and talking about these things. Um, but you said earlier, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to have those thoughts. Um, people may have thoughts for a variety of reasons. It doesn't mean, um, you can't get better. It doesn't mean you're alone in those thoughts, but, um, it does mean maybe you need help and help can come in different shapes and sizes, but we definitely want people to reach out for help. And when we talk about stigma, I think it's similar to like training around mental health. That's on us too. And I think there's a lot of support groups out there, um, you know, AFSP, the suicide prevention programs and, and a lot of different programs that, that try every year to get out and say, let's walk for the mm-hmm. prevention of suicide. And we've had walks in the past and they raise money to, to go towards prevention. Do, do you think these create enough awareness or what should we be doing to, to try to get that word out, to get that stigma and break those walls down? No, I love when, when we have these kind of gatherings and groups, I think if you were to go to one of these, you would see a sea of people who've been affected by this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's wonderful. I don't think that's enough though. And not to discredit what groups are doing. I think we all should be involved in doing things, but I really do think these conversations need to happen amongst friends, families, in our homes, um, just as much as we talk about other things. So we have that awareness. What regrettably happens, I think, is a lot of times it's an out of sight, out of mind problem. Mm. Unless we ourselves are struggling with it or we've lost somebody to suicide, um, we may sit there and say, well, isn't that lucky it hasn't happened to us? But that's the wrong attitude. Mm -hmm. We need to look at how can I help somebody today? How can I talk to the people I care about and love? Because as we watched in the video, it can happen to any one of us. What's the face of suicide? It's you, it's me, it's anybody. Yeah, so we can't believe like, like because someone's not a certain way, we couldn't ask or shouldn't ask. We absolutely should ask. Yeah. And, and if you don't ask and then something does happen, wouldn't that guilt come back on you? I mean, then it could trigger a whole nother set of emotions that we don't need. Yeah. And part of the asking is we, we really want to just encourage people when we create a culture of like, we care about one another and we ask the questions because we care. What final message would you like to leave our viewers as far as help that's out there that you're offering and that's offered here on this campus and and across the country? I appreciate you um, letting me address folks with that. I, I would add that I think, again, a couple points. Mental health is everyone's responsibility. We have a responsibility to look out for each other, to care for one another, to educate ourselves. And in that care and education and love, then we're reaching out, we're getting support. Um, Two, to anybody listening to this, if you yourself have struggled with mental health or having thoughts of death or of suicide, there absolutely is hope. And there's treatment, there are options. Um, For our small corner of the world, at uh, DSU, we have the Booth Wellness Center, we're there. That's our role, that's our job. We love 
helping and supporting students and we'll work with you on those things. And for others, you know, there, there are absolutely things we can do and people do get better. I see it all the time in my job as a, as a psychologist and our staff do too. Um, and we, we would ask you to reach out for hope for help and to get the, the kind of supports and things you need. There are people who love you, um, family and friends, and we want you to stay with us. We want you to reach out and get those help when you need it. And that's what we're there for. That's the key word right there. Love. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people might not be feeling it sometimes, but it's there and we all need to, to, uh, remember that, you know, that heart, heartfelt love and empathy, like you said, to sit alongside someone and say, yeah, we do care. Mm-hmm. That's, that's important. So I just like to say thank you very much for being on the show and, um, sharing all that you do and thank you for what you do and thank your staff and, and, and know that someone is there for you. Um, after hours they're obviously, like you said, they have to go elsewhere or call the, the numbers for help, but thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely. We appreciate you, um, bringing this to light and letting your listeners know, and we encourage people to keep learning about these things and doing what we can. Yeah. And hopefully we can get those pinwheels and those backpacks down next year. I sure would love to do that. (laughs) It'd be great to see that go away. All right. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you, Melissa. And thank you for joining us. And again, um, to all of you viewers out there, you know, we hope that you take something away from this and pass it on to others because there is help. Suicide is a problem, but it doesn't have to be. It is preventable, and there is help, and there's the always Reach hope. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you, and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hopeutah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Because you matter, and there is always hope. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.